Guys, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, my friend Cody Nelson of 20 plus years. He's the optics manager over there. If you guys need any optical needs at all, anything to do with glassing, binoculars, tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call. 602-399-3699. That is his cell phone. You can also text him at that number. You can also call him at GoHunt at 702-847-8747. I want to thank GoHunt Optics for their sponsorship of the podcast. Guys, I also want to let you know that GoHunt maps have been released and they are right now available to insider members. I have had an intimate role in this go hunt mapping process of uh, getting these maps just how we need them. They are awesome for Western hunters. Go hunt maps is built for Western hunters. Go Hunt's first focus has always been creating solutions for hunters like us to make them as successful as possible both for themselves and for the advancement of conservation. With the launch of Go Hunt Maps app, Western hunters are empowered to meet their needs all in one platform. Discovering hunts with filtering 2.0 and draw odds and preparing with expertise and gear and now take maps into the field. Guys, I've had an intimate role in helping develop the app and I think you're really going to like it. Make sure you're an insider member. So go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott and sign up for an insider membership if you're not already an insider. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That is the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. To find out more, you can go to kuiu.com, kuyu.com. It's a direct-to-consumer company. You can order all of the products directly off the website. That's the only place you can get it. Go to kuiu.com. PhoneScope is the adapter I use to take videos and photos right from my iPhone 12 Pro, right through my spotting scope or binoculars. Go to PhoneScope.com, use the JScott21 promo code, and you're going to get a 10% discount. Guys, let's get right to the episode. Guys, welcome to the JScott Outdoors podcast. I've got Bob Dykeman of Shadow Valley Outfitters on the line, and I'm going to be picking his brain about the Arizona deer uh, applications coming up. Bob, how's it going? Good, Jay. Good. Um, yeah, how are you? I'm doing great. I uh, look forward to speaking with you. I uh, want to do some catching up before we talk about the deer. Uh, I know typically in the summer you're a commercial fisherman. Just curious if you're going to head up for, uh, for the season up in Alaska and do the commercial fishing this year. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm heading up, uh, I don't know, June 23rd, 24th or something like that. Um, and then I'm only gone three, maybe four weeks tops, usually back around the set, back like the 17th of July this year. So um, pretty short, pretty short time. Um, I think this is going to be my 15th year, maybe even 16th year doing it. 2006 was my first year. So um, been doing it ever since, man. I, I, I like it. It's a kind of breaks up the year for me a little bit. Um, work in the spring, fish in the summer, and guide in the fall and winter. So um, have a lot of fun doing it. Fantastic. Well, sounds good. Uh, one of these days, I want to get a bunch of stories from you from that commercial fishing and like to do it in person because I feel like we could get some killer stories from you on stuff you've seen out there. Um, want to talk to you about the Arizona Strip uh, primarily. I know that's your big focus uh, on the attention you give Arizona is the Strip. And um want to get your thoughts on before we kind of start talking specific about the units moving forward with the forecast uh what are you seeing out there right now um it's dry <laughs> um you know we haven't had as much rain as we hoped to have um but yeah no it's dry up there for sure i haven't got up there yet this spring but i've got all my guys um St. George guys, Trevor and Hunter have been out there and and doing cameras already uh, and just taking some, you know, checking them from over the winter and and, uh, just kind of taking inventory of of feed conditions and and ponds and and that sort of deal. But it's it's dry. It's very, very dry. So I've talked to Clay and and, um, had a good podcast with him and he said the same thing. Um, with that being said, 
Uh, you know, do you think this year is one of those years that, you know, check it off the list that it's a, it's a year that really nobody wants to apply? Or do you think that, you know, people other than max point holders should be, you know, head over heels, uh, potentially thinking they might draw a strip tag? Um, you know, in, in my opinion, I think it's, it all depends on, on the guy and, and what he wants to accomplish and what's he want out of the hunt, you know, um, if he wants to go on the, you know, regardless of the year, the best mule deer hunt in the Western United States, you know, uh, you have to apply, um, you know, now if he's, a man, I think non-residents, they've, man, they're in a tough spot because I think they're kind of forced to, um, depending on, you know, their particular, uh, circumstances of age and, and physical conditions and stuff and how long they got to hunt. Because I think, you know, you, you got to apply in those guys' situations. Non-residents have to apply, I think. Um, residents with max that are going to be, like, guaranteed the tag, um, you know, especially the rifle tag, I think you probably, you know, probably think about passing on it. Um, regardless, you know, if you do apply, make sure, you know, use your point guard or at least buy it. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know the... The non-residents, I think, have to, you know, with a bunch of points. Everybody else with less than max is, you know, just applies anyway, you know. Yeah. Uh, what do you think as far as other years that that you've been up on the strip? Do you think there's any year that potentially is as dry as this year? And, and is there any year in the back of your mind that you're kind of comparing this to before the summer monsoon even starts? Are you already thinking it's going to be like X year? Well, you know, I, I, my first year up there was 2011, um, which was a good year. 2012 was really, really bad. And 2018, the 2018 was really bad too. Um, you know, so those are the two years that I would, you know, look back on me personally. Um, I think it's probably going to be worse than those those years would be my guess, um, but you know that place still has a, a way of just pumping out bucks. Um, I don't think we're going to see any of the the super freaks, but you know, two hundred inch deer is still going to be you know doable, and especially on the archery hunts. But um, you know, I think two hundred inches is still going to be doable. Yeah, let's talk about the archery and the rifle hunts, both on A and B. Uh, from an archery perspective, is there one unit that you like over the other, A or B? Um, I like B. Um, B's, B just has a lot more huntable ground, in my opinion. You know, kind of all-day huntable stuff if you need to. Um, I think a lot of that, A does too, but not nearly as much. A lot of those bucks in in a can get you know treed up real early you know chaining type deer you know kind of open flat sage stuff um and they go get you know treed up um where you're kind of done you'll be done pretty early um and you you know you start late in the afternoon so i like i like b um there's just a lot more huntable ground okay what about the rifle hunts does that change at all not no i still like b for the same reason um just a lot of huntable ground, like all day huntable ground, you know. What about A versus B uh, as far as holdover bucks? Do you think there's actually some better bucks in A than in B this year? Yeah, probably. I think I think A's probably got a few more holdover bucks that have potential um, than, than B does. Whether they get to reach that potential this year or not, we'll, you know, yet to find out, but. I think A probably has the holdover bugs. From your perspective as a guide, um, you know, looking at this year, you know, people are still going to apply, people are going to draw, and you're going to have to hunt whatever conditions you're dealt. Um, does it take any of your motivation away or your excitement away, maybe on a year that's super wet and antler growth is really good? Is there any lack of you know, like, well, crap, it's not going to be very good, or do you still find yourself uh, amped up to go up there? Oh, still amped up. Um, and I think, you know, you 
the last few years and and we've all been very fortunate to to hunt the strip you know when it is good um but a big a a 200 inch deer is still a giant deer you know and and i think that's what makes you know a guide a a good guide and somebody that you want to hunt with is is their motivation stays the same whether you know you're all you know hunting a 195 inch or 200 inch deer versus a 230 inch deer you know um regardless i want to see a big mature deer hit the dirt so um and i know that's you know the same for me and and trevor and hunter and joe and and all our guys you know we just love it up there for sure um when you talk about we've talked about it before i believe on the podcast uh, and guys go check out the other podcasts i've done with bob but um you know the strip is one of those places that you get a lot of hunters, you get a lot of helpers, you get a lot of scouters, you get big camps. Um, how do you, as an outfitter, prepare your clients uh, for that as far as mentally what they should expect? Exactly that is, you know, especially a rifle hunt, you're, you're going to have competition no matter what, you know. Um, with with cameras and, and everything, they really concentrate hunters um and the water situations that we've had the last year or two um it just concentrates hunter and you just got to tell everybody and and be honest and straight with them that this is this is what it's going to be like you know um it doesn't it, it you know and if you don't like that we need to look at other options but that's that's what it is is you have a lot of guides a lot of spotters a lot of helpers big camps um we're guilty of all of that you know um but at the end of the day that's how that's how big deer get killed is is a bunch of eyes so um but yeah no you just gotta gotta be straight with them some guys like it some guys enjoy it you know other guys it's it's really not for them you know how do you bob how do you deal with it outfitter to outfitter i mean i'm sure like a lot of places, there's personalities that get along and there's personalities that don't get along. How do you, uh, yourself and you with your guides, you know, kind of being the leader of the pack, so to speak, how do you talk to your guides and how, how do you handle those guide to guide, outfitter to outfitter, you know, everyone's chasing the same deer. How do you approach that? Um, you know, as much respect as you can give, you know, um, and and treat them the way you want to be treated now that always not always happens um you know we've we've been burned a few times where i thought we shouldn't have but you know where if a guy's if one of the other guys up there it doesn't really matter who it is um you know it could be a do-it-yourself hunter it's not even just guide to guide but just hunter to hunter have respect for each other you know um and if somebody beats me there man that's a bummer you know um i'll be up earlier next day you know um kind of deal but you know i really really try not to step on anybody's toes up there do you do you find you know someone you've been up there 10 plus years um on a lot of hunts are you always in competition and chasing to a buck or can you think of a lot of different bucks where really no one was around and you had a really nice hunt We've had some great hunts um the archery hunt especially you know there's just a lot fewer tags a lot fewer guys willing to go up there when it's, uh, you know, 100 degrees and, and you're hunting one buck and there's no shade and, and everything else. You might get some help for a day or two, but, man, those archery hunts, I mean, they're they're my favorite. I would take the archery tag 10 times out of 10 over the rifle tag just because of that. Um, just because you can find a buck and you can kind of be patient with him. Um and and kind of pick your time when you want to go and try and kill them you don't have to just rush it you know fear of somebody else getting on him um so i i really enjoy the, those archery hunts because it, it's it's a lot more pleasurable hunt um just less people with the water condition that we have now with a lot of the dirt tanks being dry and and them really relying on the trick tanks um how do you see cameras playing the role going into this archery season? Obviously, we have no idea what the monsoon rain is going to be like in July. Um, but moving forward, planning and, and trying to figure, 
so much congregation right now and probably for the next month at least into july before those rains hit there's going to be deer stacked you know how does the camera play a role in, in benefiting that yeah it's it's a huge benefit um i mean those things like you said without without dirt ponds you know there's definitely still dirt ponds up there you know all the big ones will still have water in them but man i wouldn't i don't know i, I bet i'd venture a guess of 50 to 60 percent of the dirt ponds are dry um it wouldn't surprise me if it was even more than that um but that's you know that's just taking away a ton of water sources that you don't have to camera and and bucks are having to go to you know those trick tanks which are super easy to camera so no yeah they're a vital part in this year's hunt i think with that being said, and let's say we get some monsoonal moisture between the arch between now and the archery hunt, you're going to have some bucks pattern on trick tanks. But if we start getting rains, do you anticipate those bucks very quickly scattering out and yeah. just finding likely water wherever they find it, or do you yep. think that they'll be stacked so much on the summer that they're just pretty much in that same area? They they may be in the same area, but they're they're going to venture out a little bit further from water, you know, as feed gets better around, you know, and they don't have to water every day or every other day, they can get some moisture from the feed and, and that kind of thing. They're going to be less dependent on it um, and definitely venture further from water. Um, you know, and I think if it stays like it has and no monsoons and, and that sort of deal, I mean, it'll be a, a massacre on the waters, you know, I hope that it just, Personally, I hope that it just dumps about 15 inches in July and August and then dries up for a week of, or two weeks of archery hunting, you know, um, just so we don't have to deal with the, the rain and the mud during the hunt, but, and spread some bucks out, um, and it definitely makes it harder to kill them, but that's kind of what we like anyway. We like spawning and stalking, and I think we've killed one buck. Since I've been out there, we've killed one buck on water since 2012, so... Um, we, we like that archery and that spot and stock and stuff. Isn't the benefit too of the archery, the fact that I think it's like three weeks long, you get, you know, you've got an extended season compared to the rifle hunts where you have to jam it in, in a pretty short period of time. That is one of the benefits of archery. If you've got the right client, um, obviously you start talking about guided days goes up and, you know, time frame being yep. in the field, but, um, that that is an added advantage Be, all, one because those deer you know still in velvet and still out feeding a little bit more out in the open and a little more vulnerable to glassing but yep. two the fact that you've got a long period of time that that you get more mornings and evenings of stocks on them yeah absolutely um you know three weeks is great you know for guys that can do it with work schedules or whatever else i mean you know you draw that type of tag and you you got to make as much time work as possible. Um, you know, the end of that hunt, some of those bucks start, start shedding. Um, and they, you know, start turning a little bit squirrely, not quite like, you know, summer range bucks, but hard horn kind of, they just get a little bit, little bit squirrely. So, you know, the first two weeks is definitely really, really good. That last week can be kind of hit or miss sometimes depending on the buck. Let's talk a little bit about the rifle hunts. Uh, 13B goes first, 13A is second. Um, you know, obviously the uh, both are kind of rutting time frames. Do you see more rutting on A or not really? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. That extra week definitely makes a difference. Um, they're definitely rutting in B, but just not quite as hard. It's a lot more, what I've seen is just kind of, bucks moving plenty but they're doing a lot more like spot checking does you know where they're you know check this bunch and then walk over here a mile to check this bunch and, and come back over and check another bunch you know um where later in the hunt they start getting on one bunch of does that start coming in and and uh kind of get you know a little more predictable yeah i remember a couple of years ago hunting a hunting a buck with a girl named Kalia and that buck, I mean, we hunted him all all day long, and we're we were in his shit all day long, and just every time we'd be getting close, 
and like man it's gonna happen he would like just turn and walk to another bunch of those and it'd be a mad dash to another hill and and then we'd be getting really close and then you know it wouldn't happen and we finally killed him but it was i mean we almost killed him at seven o'clock opening morning um almost i mean super super close and we didn't get we didn't get him killed until right at dark i mean 15 minutes left <laughs> and uh finally got him but that was an all-day deal of him just moving around you know he was probably only bedded for two hours the whole day and uh just moving and just spot checking does and, and going around and checking so um that was a little tough so they can be like that but they're also moving around a bunch you know um but then you know later in the hunt they'll be get on one bunch generally and and uh be a little bit more predictable and what you're saying is in B, they can be walking around spot checking does. What you're saying is you're up on knobs and your glasses are up on knobs and they're reporting in, hey, I got a buck over here. He's moving over here. Whereas in A, what you're saying is those deer get a little more predictable because they start really honing in on certain does and they're with them for a longer period of time. Um, where if you need to get a hunter in position, you have a lot better chance to to actually get in on them and you know get them killed whereas when you're saying they're in that mode where they're moving around checking does is you you have to almost kill them when you have the chance or they're going to move and you're going to have to totally relocate them again totally yeah. relocate all your people and get the hunter in yep. position yep yep they get definitely easier to kill you know later in the rut um versus the beginning um and i wouldn't even say not necessarily like harder to find at the beginning but harder to kill just because they're they get moving around a lot or they'll just go bed down in some trees and wait it out a couple days you know until they're ready to come back out um if there's not much going on with the does so um you know I, i'd say you know just as easy to find not that it's easy but you know just harder to kill for sure um what's your let's let's talk about gear i know we've talked about it before um your go-to standard everyday glassing on the strip which binos what what's your setup um i've got you know a little pair of range finding tens with ballistics in them that i carry on my chest um mine are actually the, the sig sour ones um i like them a bunch i don't glass through them a whole lot they're they're more meant to you know, kill mode type of thing, you know, with the range and the, all the data and, and everything for rifles in there. Um, I use my Koa's probably 90% of the time. Um, I've got 21 power eyepieces, the 21s, the 32s, and the 50s, um, and I carry them all and, and use all of them in, in different, you know, glassing situations. So most mostly the Koa's would be my go-to. Okay, so... You're not carrying 15s. You're mainly carrying 10s around your neck. You're carrying your koas, and are on these knobs. Are you standing mostly, or are you sitting mostly with the koas? I, I try and sit most all the time. I mean, there's certain places that you have to stand up because of brush or trees or whatever. But um, you know, especially with those koas, 90% of the time you're you're sitting, or at least trying to sit. The dang things are so big, um, they get on the top of a tripod, and as tall as I am, it it uh they can get a little wobbly but i've also got a pair of 15s too that you know i'll use or throw over the shoulders or or whatever um you know while i'm hiking or something but most of my glassing is done through the koas what's your personal take on all this trail camera talk and what would you like to see happen um you know i think there's there's two different two different sides of it um you know, there's the side of, of less regulation, you know, just across the board, government regulation and, and this and that. And, and one, you know, you know, they take away trail cameras, what's next, um, you know, that, that side of it, which I do agree with. Um, but at the same time, the, the cameras have gotten completely out of control. Um, I don't think I would have done you know, the proposals that the game and fish is doing. Um, I think I would have done a little bit more like unit specific because it's not, it's not a problem, you know, in again, 90% of the state, 
um, it's not a problem, but it is it is a problem on the Arizona Strip. Um, it's a problem up in Unit Nine. It's a problem probably on the Kaibab. Um, you know, and, and some of those units where I think it does, it's just gotten out of hand. You know, um, people aren't people aren't hunting anymore. Um, and is and it a, is it a camera problem or is it a people checking the cameras problem? I think both. I think both people are. I think very very disrespectful in a lot of these places. Um, you know, checking cameras um, and and checking them while guys are sitting waters and, and that kind of thing. Um, it's it's ruining. You know, I wouldn't call it ruining, but it's impeding on some people's hunts and hunting uh, uh, experiences. Um, and it puts just a bad taste in their mouths, and then they get on social media or whatever. Who knows? But I think it's both. I think it's the the hunting experience and just the the, the mystery of it. Um, you know, the Arizona Strip is man. There's there's definitely a few bucks that get through, but it's not like it was. You know, I mean, I came in at the very beginning of the trail camera thing, and still found a lot of deer without cameras and this and that but man anymore you you're you're not driving down the road and you know not that you were ever expecting to see a big deer but you know where you're gonna might see a big deer and you know where you're just not gonna see a big deer you know what i mean and i don't know i'd, I'd like to see the mystery of it i'd like to see people get out and, and scout like you're supposed to and, and actually just bring back some of the hunt end of it it's uh I don't know. It's I don't I I if I had to if I had to pick, I would definitely get rid of them and just get rid of them all you know together. Um, but you're not but necessarily saying green. statewide. You're saying in the problem units, you would say if you're going to get rid of them, don't make a season, don't make a quarter mile from water, just on the Arizona Strip, just ban them. If you had to choose, you'd probably go with the ban them all together on the Arizona Strip. Make it easy. Done. I, that's what I would do. I mean, and, and, and even, you know, some other places maybe. I just think it needs to be more unit-specific because, again, most of the state isn't a problem. Um, you know, there's just such a few, you know, amount of hunters that, that hunt the, the strip anyway. It's it's not a big deal. Um, it's it's the rest of the state that, it's, it's not a problem, right. and that's why people are, you know, up in arms about it, because it's not a problem. You know, most everybody doesn't see it as a problem in their unit, you know. Right. Um, but they're also not the guys that have been up to the Arizona Strip or Unit 9 or whatever and have seen this and had people, you know, buzzing in on them, you know, checking waters. and Man, it's just, it's not a very fun experience, in my opinion. Um, so that, but again, like, if that's what I would do, you know, if I, if anybody asked me my opinion, I think you need to do it, you know, more unit specific. Sure. Um, there, there's but. two trains of argument. There's one or two trains of thought. There's one that says the cameras actually create older age class deer because the guides know the inventory and they're not shooting that 190 inch buck because they know there's two bucks over, right over 200 that are using it. And if they just wait it out, right. they're going to get that. Right. right there's that train right. of thought and then right. there's the train of thought that if you ban them all together on the arizona strip there would be deer that make it through that people don't know about because guys can't glass 24 7 all the time which one do you think in your mind has more water do you think the fact that if they just stopped running cameras at all that all of a sudden we would start seeing some more of these big i mean it, it, let's Let's face it, there's giant bucks being killed every year, but do you actually think that it would increase the age class? Or do you I, go I, with the other train of thought that actually it is true that the age class goes up because of the cameras? And this is, for me, it's, I have not looked at the data. You know, um, this is just my, my opinion. But I got to believe that there is not a lot of six or seven-year-old deer killed on the strip anymore. I, I gotta believe that, and and maybe I'm wrong, and, and maybe a few, you know, slip through that aren't necessarily trophy deer, but they're old deer. You know, they're big deer. They're, you know, I'd like to know what you know Clay's big buck was last year that 
40 inch or whatever that dinosaur um i'd like to know what that thing aged at um that'd be one that you know maybe you know gets to seven plus because nobody's really going to kill it you know prior years i don't know what it looked like before or whatever but i i gotta believe that there's going to be more there's going to be older deer now you might kill some younger deer because of what you said of you know not knowing you know there's a there's a 200 inch three-year-old that's right here but you don't know about the 220 and the 230 that's also there right. um but it also doesn't mean that that 220 and 230 is five or six or seven years old sure i mean if you start looking at some of this stuff there are some giant deer killed that are three and four years old sure i mean 250s and you what know? you're saying is not necessarily the guides aren't looking at it going geez that's only a three and a half year old two 230 deer let's not, not shoot it they're gonna deer, shoot it regardless right it's dead right it is absolutely dead right. if it's a 210 inch buck or that's better three years old yeah uh and hitting water every day at noon or 7 a.m or whatever it's gonna get killed right I mean, bottom line, it's just, it's going to die. You know, nope, there's not, and I don't care what anybody tells you. There's nobody up there that is looking at deer going, man, we're going to pass him. <laughs> you know, he's plenty big, but he's only three and a half. Right. We're not whitetail hunters. We don't have a, a, a piece of property that we get to hunt and watch these deer and feed the deer year round. Right. That deer's dying. Right. If he's big and a client likes his horns, He's dead. I don't care if he's 10 or if he's 2. Right. He's going to die. Right. So, um, you know, I think I think banning them would increase, you know, the the uh, age just for the fact that people aren't going to know what's out there. And you're going to get a buck that waters at night and doesn't get his picture taken and lives in, you know, some, you know, maybe some remote stuff, hard to get to, hard to hunt stuff. That's gonna get to seven, eight, nine years old, you know. Um, but right now, that's that's just not happening. I mean, he gets to two ten, man. Look, he's out. getting whacked. Yeah, he's getting whacked. It don't matter. It yeah. does not matter how old he is, you know. Um, what about what about uh, if they do ban trail cameras on the Arizona Strip? How do you think it will impact some guide services? And obviously, we're not pointing fingers at anyone in right. particular. We're talking in general. Do you think it would eliminate some guide services that might lean on cameras and maybe don't spend the time that others do up there? And so the, the, the people that really put in the time glassing and scouting might rise to the top. Do you think that's true? 1,000%. It's, you know, if you don't have cameras to lean on, there's a lot of guys out there that are hunting because of cameras. You know, they're hunting a certain area because of cameras. Now, guys, whether it's they don't have the time to do the scouting or, or whatever it might be, um, they're not going to put in that same amount of time. Um, I mean, we, and I, I, I could kind of speak for Trevor and Hunter up there too, but me personally, I hate running cameras. It is my least favorite thing to do on this entire planet is running those damn cameras. <laughs> um, I would much rather spend my time doing other things, you know? Um, but there's just not enough hours in the day to, to do everything you need to. And I honestly, I skip cameras a lot. <laughs> um, and, and on it, you know, just being honest, but skip over them a bunch is I like, I like scouting. I like hunting the, the other way, you know? Um, so, I think, I think, yeah, there's definitely going to be a lot of people up there. Maybe not a lot, but a few for sure that they're just not going to get it done because maybe they, A, have kind of got out of the actual hunting part of it for the last 10 years, and they don't really scout efficiently anymore um, because of the cameras. But I think, you know, to your point, there's definitely going to be some people that, that struggle for sure. What about the argument that the auction tags will not go for as high a price if you eliminate the cameras? Yeah, probably not. Um, you really think so? I mean, you think that guy that's going to spend two fifty cares whether it's two fifty you know, or two eighty or two twenty or three hundred? I don't think the numbers. I don't think you're going to see that three hundred. I mean, it's not like they're going to all of a sudden go for fifty grand. You know, right. it's 
they're still going to go for 150. Maybe they do go for 250. Um, you know, I've heard some arguments of just getting rid of the auction tags, um, you know, and turning them into raffle tags. Um, you know, the Arizona Deer Raffle raises a ton of money. Um, you know, with uh, some of the bad light that's been, you know, s spread on the, the auction tags and stuff, I've, you know, heard that idea kicked around a little bit. Um, but, I mean, again, you know, are you going to get 300 or 400? Who knows? Maybe. You know, I know those guys that are buying them, they don't care the difference between, you know, two and 300, right. you know. Um, it's more keeping so-and-so from getting it or I'm going to outbid them. I don't care what it costs. Type exactly. Of thing. Which, yeah, and, I don't and know and if I buy the argument gear. that the price goes down. I mean, I still think those heavy hitters are still going to pay those the big money. And, um, and, and you yeah. know, and it might go, they might end up, you know, honestly might end up having to pay even more. Maybe not for the tag, but they're going to end up having to pay more for scouting. Right. You know, if they want to go kill, you know, the, the cream of the crop with no cameras, they're going to have to pay more for scouting, you know. Um, and that, I guess, maybe that'll drive the price down maybe a touch is they're going to have to spend more on the, the back end of it. But, I mean, for the most part, I mean, again, what's what's the money to a bunch of those guys, you know. Um, so... Let me ask you a question about, I want to shift gears here. Let me ask you a question about um, predators and over the last 10, 11 years up there, what you've noticed as far as what you see as far as lions and coyotes. Has there been any change? Has, has predators gone up, gone down, stayed the same? I think lions have gone up. I wouldn't say that there's, I mean, there's definitely coyotes on the strip and a, a lot of coyotes, but I don't think they're any worse up there than they are you know, in a lot of the state, um, I was, I was hunting with a, a, a guy a couple of years ago and he, he kind of noticed something that I hadn't ever really noticed, but you know, he, he told me, he's like, you know, I haven't heard a coyote yet, you know, in the morning, in the morning, you know, sitting on a hill before, before it gets light. It's like, man, I have not heard a coyote yet. This is like four days into the hunt. I'm like, man, you know what? Like, I didn't really ever think of it that way, but you're right. You know, you come down here and sit on a knob in the elk woods and you hear a lot of coyotes. Um, I don't think you go a day without hearing them, you know, throughout the day, morning, evening, middle of the day, whatever. Man, it just seems like, I, I wouldn't say there's a, a huge coyote problem. Now, any coyote is a problem so um, for, for deer and stuff, but I would say the lions are definitely, and I don't know if that's just because we're getting more of them on cameras because of the, the water shortage or if it's an actual increase in population, you know, sure. um, definitely getting more pictures of, of lions. Um, and we bumped more lions off of waters last year than I ever have. Um, you know, they're, they're not dumb. They're, uh, they know there's a water shortage too, and there's a buffet going on. So, um, yeah, I don't know if the, the numbers have increased or if it's just that we're getting more pictures of them because of, because of uh, the water shortage. Right on. We've covered some ground today. I want to give you a chance uh, to have any final or concluding thoughts about the strip or anything else. I also want you to tell the people listening how the best way they can reach out uh, and either chat with you before the draw or um, chat with you about a deer hunt or anything else. Yeah, you know, I... I what I tell everybody is, is get in touch. You know, if you're planning on putting in for, you know, some of these high profile hunts, whether it's elk, you know, sheep, antelope, you know, general deer down here or, or a strip tag, kaibab tag, um, get in touch with a guide prior to the draw. Um, and, and do, do your homework, you know, and, and you have time, you have time right now to, Call people, call references. We have a ton of them available. I'll give you successful guys, unsuccessful, whatever. You know, you can call every single one of them. But, but man, do your research and your homework now because when it when it comes time, you know, especially the strip and stuff. When it comes time to booking an outfitter, it it goes it goes quick, and you do not have you do not have the time to do your research when you have the tag in your pocket. Um, or even during, you know, the credit card, uh, hits and stuff. So 
I always just try and push that to people. Um, do your research and, and, and everything when you have a ton of time, which you have right now. So we always, you know, people that I talk to and my guys, we talk to them and I tell them every single one of them, you know, especially guys with max points and stuff is, is you have first dibs. If we've had a conversation prior to, to the draw and we've kind of, you know, made a, maybe a verbal agreement or, or maybe not even a verbal agreement, but just had the conversation, I'm going to wait to hear from you. Um, you know, before I go book somebody that I have not had that conversation with. Um, so I always give priority to those guys that, that have done their homework and, and we've had that conversation because you don't have to spend a half an hour on the phone with them when likely already filled up anyway. Um, so that's, you know, I think it's crazy that guys wait so long for a tag and then they try and rush. You know, some of these guys are waiting 20, 25 years um, and then rushing to make a decision. Um, man, just, just do your homework right now. I think that's good advice. Um, and then I'll have you tell people where they can get a hold of you. But before that, um, is there any other deer hunts out there that you have your eyeball on? Um, you know, any, anything down Prescott, Chino Valley, central Arizona, any of that stuff that, that you're also guiding hunts or doing anything on, or are you strictly the strip? No, we do them all down here. Um, we've got a, a really big, uh, deer operation that Ben, uh, Brochu, uh, takes the lead on down in Tucson and, yep. And um, I'm planning Duval. to have him on here later this week. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Ben's a great guy and, a. uh, a wealth of knowledge with coos deer he is him and his cronies down there man they are they're, they're, they're second to none they are they're out of control um but all the all the southern units um we've got you know the the, the 6a stuff and 21 um really really good hunts um for, for coos deer um mule deer you know we've already talked about it a little bit but there's you know that there's a late eight tag they've cut a bunch of the over-the-counter stuff this year um and that late eight tag would be really good for a guy you know that has got time um you know, we've always got a bunch of really really good bucks on that um but we're just always on with a bow you know so it gets gets pretty tough i mean um, do you think the likely you think the chance of getting a 190 plus is doable uh you know, I, I don't more know like one eighty. I think one eighty plus. You know, last year during the over the counter hunt, I mean, we chased you know four bucks that were one eighty. Um, we had like four bucks or so, and every single one of them you just whack with a rifle. You know, um, and, you know, certain years there's a there's a two hundred type buck, maybe a touch bigger. You know, one ninety. But you know, one eighty plus, it's it's doable. Um, you know, I hate saying it to everybody because it's in, in your your crowd. But it's you know, there's only ten tags. I think it's going to be a really hard tag to draw. Well, there's only um, three people that listen to my podcast anyway, so you're I, all right. I doubt it. Maybe maybe every <laughs> I bored everybody to death earlier, so I've <laughs> changed the channel by now. But <laughs> everyone's uh, turned it off already. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, that could be a good one. Um, you know, there's there's the you know the youth tags for guys that you don't want to get a kid hunting. Um, there's some youth tags right around here in Prescott and stuff that are awesome. Um, but you know, most of the general deer hunts around Prescott for mule deer are pretty tough. What about um, the Kaibab? Do you spend much time yourself out on the Kaibab? Or you know, I don't. Um, we've got James Vine and his guys up there running that, and they've just killed phenomenal deer on you know 12s and and you know a b east west all of it um and you know they just do a phenomenal job up there killed some big deer last year and just killed big deer every year um i actually think i'm going to put my wife in for the early kayabab she's she's itching to go hunting and uh i think that'd be a really good hunt to just go up and first time hunt for her um so go up see a bunch of deer probably bring our kids and, and just have a really good time. So I think that's, you know, for guys that aren't, you know, dead set on having to kill a 190, um, 
I think that's a really good hunt with potential for big deer, you know, um, but more like a 170 type hunt, but a lot of action, a lot of deer, um, you know, great first time hunt type of deal. A lot of people, but you can always get away from people a little bit. Sure. Bob, it's always great talking to you. Um, let us know how we can reach out. Guys can reach out and chat at you if they want to bend your ear a little bit more. Yeah, you know, everybody, uh, my, my number is 928-925-3437. Um, always very, very easy to get me to quit working or whatever and, <laughs> and, uh, and talk hunting. Um, and then uh, Instagram, Shadow Valley Outfitters. Um, and, and same thing with Facebook. So at Shadow Valley Outfitters on both of those, um, website, shadowvalleyoutfitters.com. Um, you know, Pat and Ben are really, really good at responding to people on, on both of those and, and getting people in touch with, you know, who's, who's best to talk to, whether it's, you know, me or Ben or James on the Kayabab or, or whatever. So, um, usually very, very good at, at getting back with people in, in a, a, you know, speedy manner. So. One last question. Uh, how's your golf game? You know, I was, mine's hit or miss right now. Um, I wanted to ask you what you thought of, of Phil and, was, and where specifically, in your opinion, where does it rank in, in moments and, and compare it to Tigers in 2019? Well, personally, I think it it rivals Tigers 2019, if not surpasses it from a standpoint of age alone. I mean, Tiger is Tiger, and Tiger came back from those unbelievable injuries and, you know, personal trauma and all the stuff that he had going on, but more than anything, back surgery and all of that. But right. you take a guy like Phil, who's, you know, 50-plus, and I told my wife yesterday, I watched every shot on Saturday and Sunday. I've been... I was fortunate to meet Phil back just at, basically when he turned pro and had some experience. I've actually played with him. Um, and so, I, you know, yesterday I was just sitting on pins and needles watching the whole tournament, just wanting him to win so bad. Yep. I think it's one of the greatest feats of golf ever. I think, you know, Tom Watson a handful of years ago at age 60, um, you know, 59, 59. Yeah. Yep. Almost. Yep. I mean, literally, I think he hit nine iron on the last hole that, yep. that bounced hard and went over that too was just an unbelievable feat yes. of, of, of golf. Um, but you know, for Phil to literally step up on that golf course that doesn't suit him and gut it out and win incredible, is incredible, like and you I, know I what? Mean, incredible. And, and what might be even more, you know, and I've, I've been thinking about the Tiger and, and Phil comparison in the last, you know, today. And Tiger in 2019 was playing some incredible golf prior to the Masters. Um, he, was, he was playing good golf. Phil has not been playing any good golf. He can't put together a round this entire year, maybe even in the last two, you know, um, he has just not been playing good golf. And for him to go out there, like you said, on that course, in those conditions, and do what he did at age 50 is Pretty awesome. And, and again, not, I mean, he hasn't had like a top 20 this year, you know? Um, well, I think one thing, too, I'm in San Diego after the Gould's turkey hunt. I came over here, and my wife and I are having a little vacation over here the month of May, and we went over to Torrey Pines, and the U.S. Open is over there next uh, yep. month. It's just down the street here. And um, I had heard that Phil was given a U.S. Open exemption because, you know, hometown boy and the whole thing. And I just got to wonder the competitive spirit with Phil if it's the first time that he's had to, quote, unquote, get an exemption. If that's, you know, internally lit a fire in him saying, I know I can still win. Right. And... I'm going to show that, you know, I'm grateful for the exemption, but I can get my, I can win my way in there. I have to think deep down that had a little bit, you know, in yep. the back of his mind that had an extra, extra, you know, internal power of like, I'm going to do this. You know, when he had that shaky swing on like uh, 13 or 14, when he actually like hit a nine iron or a wedge in the water, I thought, oh my gosh, don't yeah. do this. You know, like yep. you could tell he totally held on to it for him. He's a lefty, he hooked it. 
just, I mean, pulled it straight into the water. And I was like, oh, no, do not do this. But then he seemed to rally. And, I mean, I couldn't have been more ecstatic yesterday. I was literally running around the house here just, just I mean, almost not wanting to watch because, you know, we've seen Phil – you know, he's one of those players that you never know what's going to happen. He's either going to m- do something heroic yeah. or hit it, you know, 50 yards offline. And I was just like, please let him figure this out. And so for me, definitely probably the biggest, you know, I watched personally in 1986. I was 13 years old. I watched Nicholas win the Masters. That was unbelievable at age 46. But, I mean, I just think this – you know, Phil at 50, like you said, you know, he's won two champions events, but on the PGA Tour has not put any rounds together. Just a right. gut check, incredible, incredible performance. So happy for him and his team. Um, you know, I've been a it's... big, big fan for a long time. I just, I, I couldn't be more happier for, for him. Yep. No, I I totally agree. I had I had a couple bucks on Kepka, so I was kind of <laughs> going I mean, back and forth a little bit. But, if if uh, he would have just hit a couple fairways, I think it would have been closer. Um, and he, he's another one that's an incredible talent. It seems like yeah. in majors, he just shows up and has that competitive spirit. And you know, there's some people that you know he he tends to speak his mind, and so that turns some people off. But I mean, as far as a competitor. Brooks Kepka is phenomenal. Um, Second to none. I think he's great for golf. I think yesterday, though, the old guy winning, you know, even like in 19, Tiger winning. I mean, golf, to me, with the chaos that's going in on all the other sports, it seems like every sport is just muddled up with a bunch of political nonsense. It's so nice to see golf, in my mind, just at its top, like at its peak, then you've got a guy 50 plus winning i mean what else is going to happen i cannot wait for the u.s open at tory um and so why can't why couldn't phil win at tory oh i, I mean if phil hits fairways that you know kiowa is 7800 yards i'm sure tory will be somewhere right there but the they thing is like phil grew up that. on tory and he knows right. it like the back of his hand he hasn't played right. as well since the redesign but I mean, what a story going into the U.S. Open, hometown yeah. boy. I mean, I'll be cheering for him for sure. Yeah. And, he, and he historically, you know, over the years has played well at Torrey. Um, and I think, you know, with Tiger being hurt, I, it's just amazing to me the, the state of golf and how good of, you know, I still love watching every week. I watch the tournaments. I'm still fully engaged, and the game is just at a great spot. So it, it's yep. exciting to me. Yep, absolutely. You've got young absolutely. guys. You've got, I mean, you know, it's turned into a bomber's paradise. But then you take Phil, who's, you know, he's by, by nature, he's crooked. I mean, he can't hit a fairway to save his life, and he wins at, you know, a very tough driving course. Um, absolutely. Just that pretty, was pretty neat. Pretty neat. Yep. Yep. No. Absolutely. If you if you end up getting back and, and want to get out of the desert heat sometime, come on up to Prescott or something, and let's go play play eighteen and and talk golf and hunting or something. So sounds great, buddy. All right. Well, uh, take care. God bless and um, enjoy the commercial fishing season. And we'll be chatting at you probably uh, right after the archery hunt uh, to recap all the big bucks you guys are about to shoot. Perfect. I sure appreciate it, Jay. Thank you. All right, buddy. Take care.